Hello and welcome to Get That Grad Job, a podcast brought to you by the Lancaster University Careers Team. Today's theme is getting a job abroad. I'm Hannah, your host, and today I'm joined by three guests. Thank you so much for joining me today. Do you all just want to introduce yourselves and kind of tell me a little bit about what you do? Hi Hannah, I'm Darren Richardson. I'm the Quality and Information Manager within the Career Service. Um, part of my responsibility is to manage the Lancaster Award, but I'm also responsible for collecting graduate destination data, so I've got a really good insight into what graduates do um, after leaving university. Thanks. My name is Akanima Odon. I'm the Africa Advisor for Lancaster Environment Centre of Lancaster University. My job involves travelling and establishing partnerships between Lancaster and different African countries. I cover 30 countries in all, uh, because I engage with uh, industry owners, um, corporate bodies, organizations, government officials, so I have a sense of what it is required. And recently, I'm the author of a new book called The Graduate Code, which is a book that is on the premise, the fact that uh, graduates can be employable, and there are major opportunities internationally for such jobs. Hi, Hannah. Uh, I'm Laura Bromley and I'm a careers advisor um, in Central Careers. And my main role is to support students with their career choices, CVs, um, support them with internships. And I also work with Chinese students to help them uh, with their job searching in China, with their CVs, cover letters, um, and just uh, generally providing more provision for them at Lancaster. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, so firstly, if someone is thinking about working abroad, they might be thinking about the types of jobs that they can complete. Uh, what kind of jobs are common for students taking their first steps to work abroad? I think we see quite a range of um, opportunities and jobs. For many graduates, it might just be a case of them wanting to do a ski season in France over the winter. Um, some graduates may already have had a placement um, when they were studying here and then they go on and, and carry on with that um, opportunity when they graduate. Um, and for others, it's just something entirely new. So I don't think there's a particular type of job. I think there's a whole range of things out there. Great. I think I'm inclined to agree with that, actually. But I think uh, I think on top of that is the fact that I think graduates should realise that in separate countries and also in separate continents, there are specialised uh, you know, like niche areas of focus. So, for example, in Africa, I cover 30 countries, so I know. In Africa, you could break it into maybe three levels. So the first level is the fact that there are new niche areas there is a lack of skills and competencies it means therefore it's easy for students to get jobs in those categories so for example security forensics sustainability issues that covers a wide range but also in areas currently available around the fourth industrial revolution so mobile applications robotics animations ai's the data analytics because there are quite growing new areas in africa and so basically there are very lots of lots of jobs around this area but i think ultimately Entry through volunteering for charitable work around education, teaching, um, creative media, art is also a very, very good area in many African countries. Yeah. Nice. Great. I think more students as well are becoming more aware of getting the experience that they need as well. Mm. Um, you know, so even from the first year now, students are starting to think about mm. you know, getting that experience. Yeah, absolutely. So how would you suggest students take their first step to work abroad? Doing research. Yeah. I'd, I'd start by by researching, mm -hmm. um, just Googling in, you know, the types of jobs available. Um, they can come and see somebody in the career service as mm -hmm. well, you know, just for that extra support. Yeah. We also get a lot of employers on campus, um, particularly recruiting students for opportunities abroad. So things like JET, um, Camp America, BUNAC, there's lots of ways that you can come and meet those employers at times over the year and just find out a little bit more about what those opportunities can offer you um, and what you'll gain from, from those experiences. 
Great, thanks. The British Council's a really good one as well. Yeah. Students to have a look at mm-hmm. if that's something they're interested in. Great. So I think if I was going to say a response to that, it's quite it's really a big question to ask a student yeah. to do. So I guess the first thing would be to say, think about maybe five top priority countries of interest for a start. And maybe there are ways you could judge which kind of countries that might be. So in my list, I've got like uh, countries where, if you like, uh, your current uh, course or program fits into what their, their national policies or trade development issues or visions are. So countries where they've got lots of uh, foreign investment in those countries to develop a sector of the economy. It means there will be the need for specialists and, 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 and skills in those areas. Countries where you they've got very good, comfortable expatriate policies because if you're traveling to a separate country and you want to have a sense of how comfortable it is to kind of get good jobs that mm-hmm. kind of kind of uh, complement your expatriate status in those countries. I think ultimately it's about research. It's about finding out what you want, who is offering what and why they're offering it and if it fits with your current skills and capacities. Great, thanks. Um, so, Laura, in your role, you work um, with lots of students who are from China and want to go back there after they've graduated. Have you got any tips specifically for those students? I think finding out the skills that employers are looking for. So some of the things um, that have arisen are teamwork, problem solving, um, analysis skills. Um, employers like students who are creative and they like students to come back with really good English language speaking skills as well. Um, some of the things they should be aware of is um, when those recruitment processes take place. So the first one takes place around um, July when applications open. Um, tests and interviews then um, go on from September onwards um, and then usually interviews take place around November, December time. Um, when that's when that's finished, the next part, the next the next phase of applications, um, come in March to May, and that's that's only a couple of months. But they may be um, so the the Chinese natives that are there, they may get five job offers, but then only take one. So then those four offers will go back into the pool, and then they will kind of circulate around March time. So um, students who are over here, it's just about keeping an eye out. Um, you know, for jobs in those areas, and, and employers do do understand that it's difficult for students over here. Um, if there was a Chinese student um, here in their final year and they were looking for an opportunity back in China, what do they do about the assessment process if they are in this country at the time? It's difficult. So I suppose it depends on the employer in China. So they would, they'd have to. I mean, I, I've heard that it's better not for them to leave it till, to, you know, to keep an eye on those jobs and make sure they're applying. Um, but, I mean, I suppose it's getting in touch with the employer, telling them their situation and seeing if they can maybe get into the on Skype. Um, unfortunately, I think most employers do like to meet people face to face, you know, which does make it awkward. Um, so I think that a key thing that students could do is to really develop their networks mm-hmm. and maintain them while they're here um so you know when they go back in the holidays you know really kind of try and network as much as they can um get an internship if they can as well which i know is difficult again because chinese employees don't always do those long those shorter internships um so i mean what students can do is after they've thinking about how are they going to use their time but between when they finish and then when they can that job when they can start applying in March, so how are they going to use their time effectively? That's sort of something that I might say to them. 
That's good advice. And if you are interested in finding out a little bit more about networking, like Laura was talking about, for any student, networking is really important. And you can listen to our previous podcast um, on professional networking. That should should give you some top tips. (laughs) Just a plug for my podcast. (laughs) Ultimately, I think think, think it's just be careful to understand that most of the work they need to do to get that, that ultimate overseas job or job overseas can be done while they are studying. I think mm-hmm. they, many students miss the fact that they kind of leave it quite late. Then when they are about writing down their studies, they begin to get panicky. Okay, what am I going to do next? It's about it's, it's almost late when you start looking for putting the right steps in place to get that ultimate job. So things like um, if you like um, so say so East Africa for example. So average speaking, the in every, in most African countries, the number of graduate unemployability is really high. So the average person who goes to university is, is, is not guaranteed to get a job. So that means you already have a lot of stock of non-employed graduates already in the market. Now, your positioning as a Lancaster student and potentially a graduate already places you a lot higher than most African students. That's actually true in most African countries. But the point is you have to do something a bit differently. So generally speaking, there's always a gap between work in universities and in industry, most African countries, where students are quite theoretical. So when they come to the work environment, there's no practical skills that have been picked up. And so it means, therefore, you can use your time while you're in Lancaster and pick up skills on the back of internship programs, volunteer opportunities, like the former guest was saying, and get a bit more practical because that automatically places you a lot higher when you're applying for jobs. It means, absolutely, if you ask the average employer in most African countries, the fact remains that in several cases, the normals always argue that the fact that students don't have work experience experiences. It means just having that part of your CV, I've worked in this particular location, I've worked here, I've up skills, automatically places you a lot higher than the average person. Now, if after finishing your first degree, if you've got the resource, if you've got the funding, it's also a really good idea to go and do a, a for that degree. If you, if you can do a master's degree, that even places you a lot higher than the average person who just graduated. So these are the simple steps. And if you can actually do a graduate degree, think about doing a professional course in your field. And there are many professional bodies in the UK who do different across different disciplines. So think about not only joining a professional body, but look look at what kind of courses do they offer. And they do offer short specific courses. Be a member of this professional body. So these specific things that add content to your CV and differentiates you from the average graduate. So we've talked a lot about different countries um, and how to apply for jobs, um, the kind of jobs that might be available even. Um, each country has kind of different conventions for applications, for CVs, for interviews. Um, is there anywhere that a student or graduate could really easily check this out to kind of save them um, the time of applying for stuff with the wrong kind of CV, for example? To go on the embassy website and have, yeah. a, have a look on there. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to us as well, yeah. definitely. And two websites that might be particularly of use are um, Prospects, there's a section there entitled Working Abroad. And on the Target Jobs website, there's also a section there dedicated to um, things that you might know if you're considering applying for a job overseas. That's really useful. And actually, finding out information is really important. And there's different conventions, and it's really true that you need to apply with the right thing, otherwise you're not going to get. I think students will be surprised how to reach the Google search engine actually is <laughs> yeah. for things like this. I just did a simple Google search before I came mm-hmm. into this podcast. And there's a lot of really, really... Tr- 
very very powerful websites like mm-hmm. I've got a international jobs they're fantastic and they will even give you guidance yeah. on what a CV should look like for a specific country that's quite straightforward um, overseasjobs.com <laughs> careersinternational.com globalcareersfair.com go overseas.com it's a long list of them yeah. so I think Definitely if a student can make Google their good friend they should, they, should be, they should be okay absolutely just to add to that lock in China is a really good one for Chinese mm-hmm. students as well right. and they, you can, they can have a look at the different sectors on the site and then they can upload their CV as well. Right. On, and it's, there's a template on there. Fab. So definitely use all those millions of resources out there. So once someone has actually gained that job abroad, um, they will actually have to move abroad. Um, <laughs> we know that can be tough for students and for graduates. Have we got any advice as to how to adjust to kind of cultural differences, both within the culture and within the workplace? Well, I think I've got some ideas. That's because I tra- I travel quite a lot. So I so in some sense, I think the point is it would be good though if you start doing these things before you actually get the job. Mm-hmm. The trouble is the fact that you get the job. Sometimes they'll give it. They'll they'll tell you you've got a one month conversion time to resume for the work, or even if it's two months, that's quite short mm-hmm. to do specific things that will make you culturally adaptable to those countries. So simple things like. Just get a good friend from that country. If you have an idea of your top five country of priorities you want to get a job in, if you don't have any friend, I mean, they are around campus, go to the international office. They will give you a sense of which student does from which country does what to get a friend. And most of the time, they will have like societies from different countries. So like Kenyan students will meet together at some point or like Chinese students will meet together. Try, try, try and go to those societies. I mean, they will send you away. I mean, they, I'm sure they are, they are willing to welcome new faces. Mm-hmm. Go for those kind of meetings. Get a sense of what the culture are, what the ethics are. Now, I mean, food is a big deal. Many people have, <laughs> have to leave their jobs because the food has been really, really rubbish. So if that's the case, just go to Google and just check, okay, what, what are the top recipes for food in, in I don't know, in, in Zambia? And if you can get it out, once in a while, try it out. Literally go to Asta and pick up a few ingredients if you can find them and try it out until you think the ones that your palate is adaptable to. That makes it easy for you when you resume that country, you don't get kind of having massive shock from not being able to cope with the food. And also, try and look for a celebrity in that country and follow them on Twitter. Seriously. Because generally, celebrities attract lots of audiences and generally speaking, big topics of discussions that kind of talks about the cultural dimensions of that country and nobody discuss. So look for two or three celebrities in a specific country of interest and just follow them because they will receive lots of information and they will tweet lots of things and you can see what their, their, their followers and fans talking about and then as a matter of fact also even go on there are specific youtube channels designed for specific countries specific news tv and radio stations with youtube channels in everything's available and they're free so basically if you have a sense of which country you might think of going to just literally just subscribe once in a while after you've maybe watch an episode of, of, of EastEnders, just go on and just check out what is happening in Kenya, what is happening in Zambia. That helps you to kind of think about a bit adapting your cultural dimensions to what it might be like when you arrive in those countries or else you might be in trouble. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, yeah, there might be stuff going on at work that um, they could get involved in, uh, any clubs, uh, especially if it's a, a big organisation as well. Um, and also, you know, have a look at historical sites. What do they really want to do? Create a bit of a bucket list, things that they want to do while they're, while they're out there. Fab. Um, so finally, have you got any top tips? Like, What are your top tips for students who are looking to work abroad? I think one issue um, to bear in mind is the number of um, 
placement providers that are out there Mm -hmm. and to be really really careful if you are looking at going through one of those providers because quite often they'll charge you a considerable amount of money to place you Mm -hmm. and you might not even be paid for that opportunity there are loads of paid opportunities out there so be really careful that you're not kind of drawn into what these companies are offering do your research look on the websites like save the student rate my placement anything like that to get an insight into what students who have used those placement providers have said to make sure that you'll get a good opportunity but you don't need to go through those placement providers because there are other, are other ways that we've already discussed about locating um, suitable opportunities that's a really good tip i think my tip would be just for the average student to realize that ultimately we live in the global village and and so if increasing your your perspective of space and also increases your opportunity so you never restrict yourself that you have to just get a job in the uk when you finish your studies because that kind of restricts you in a bit i mean and ultimately understand that at the end of the day your career is in your hands ultimately if you get a good job you get a good pay it's all for you mm-hmm. family members but i think i think what you understand that it means therefore you can spend some time and invest and don't just make it happen just organically you have to actually plan this out to be honest and make make sure you have a sequence of things to do based on the podcast and different podcasts you listen to to get yourself in the frame where you are ready for that that, that organizing job i think i'll just say research research and lots more research great i'd say keep a diary you know while, while you're out there as well just to even just social stuff but not noting down sort of skills mm-hmm. and what you're doing in the day mm-hmm. that kind of thing and enjoy it yeah enjoy definitely yeah it's definitely an experience that you might not get in the rest of your yeah. life well thank you so much for joining us today apologies for the background noise um, we're in a noisy room for some reason who knew um, thank you especially to my guests for joining us um, tune in next time for more information and advice about how to get that graduate job <laughs>